Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we've got a superstar in the house with us. Not only did this guy win NBC's The Voice, but he has also released two top 20 country hits since. He has a new book coming out that he co-authored with his wife, Brooke, called Every Little Win, How Celebrating Small Victories Can Lead to Big Joy. We've got Todd Tillman in the house. Todd, how are you? Hey, man. How you doing? Dude, doing so good. I'm excited that we're finally able to record a little something, something, and uh, hopefully get some uh, people to go stream the music and buy the book. Yeah, I hope so. You built it up a little bit. (laughs) Dude, I had to build it up. You know, I could have done even more. Like, you know, Blake Shelton just endorsed the book. He's endorsed your singles. You've got two music videos out now, Jesus and You um, being the first. And I'm just... I'm I'm excited to see what's next. Yeah, you know what? It's going to probably surprise me as it does you. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but how does it feel to be on the flip side? So you've already went through the voice. You've already done the whole press tour thing. You're um, at the ranch now in Tennessee, yeah. Hillsboro, good old country redneck side of town. How does it feel? Oh, you know, honestly, I don't know. It feels really busy and tired. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels. But yeah, it's good, man. It's nuts. Like uh, the songs that we put out did really good. You know, well, I mean, they did good on the iTunes charts. You know how it is. I didn't, I'm not yeah. Billboard top 20, but that's all right. <laughs> they did, they we'll, did take it. we'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, they, they've done good. We got the books about to come out. I got some more music about to come out. A lot of different. Honestly, I've got a lot of hooks in the water right now, to tell you the truth. Yeah, so you've had In a Heartache, and then you had Jesus and You. Jesus and You, you shot the music video in your hometown of Meridian, uh, where you used to pastor a church, and God called you into this music journey. But I really want to step into like um, the first thing I have heard people say, especially when we did the Energize event, and then the work we did with your first single. People are like, why did you leave church? Why did you leave church? You ran away from church, blah, blah, blah. So I want to hear your side of God called you away from pastoring the church where you faithfully served for such a long time and called you into this new adventure that you really had no experience in. You went on The Voice and we'll get into all that. But I want to hear, you know, God was moving it on your heart to leave the church before The Voice, um, if I'm correct there. And it's just been a whole journey for you. So what did that look like? Uh, you, you know, I kind of try to tell everybody the same thing, which is I didn't really leave the church. Uh, I'm still part of the church, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I believe that the that uh, the kingdom of God is alive and well. I do think that now and then uh, the paradigm changes a little and, and that can jack up our mindsets if we're not careful. And, and especially those of us who like things to stay the same, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but uh Man, you know, I um, I would say somewhere in 2017 or so, I knew that I was going to be doing something different. I mean, at the time, I didn't have um, basically the nerve, you know, to jump into anything. But I did start looking into stuff. Uh, and ultimately, two years later, uh, while I was still kind of struggling, I would I told a couple of friends I was still kind of struggling with because pastoral ministry, like like pulpit traditional ministry. I did, I did leave that. And I, and I actually feel as the best way I know how to say, I feel about that is I, I don't want to come down on pastoral ministry, but I will say, I feel like, because I feel like I obeyed what I was supposed to do. I feel a lot of freedom, you know, 
there's like a whole lot of yeah. And so, so, uh, I guess God sort of knew what I didn't know, which was that the voice was coming and it would be a big thing. And so when that did happen, I realized in that moment, I, I had to, I wherewithal, I almost said maturity, but that would be a bad word to use for myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of had the wherewithal to realize this is it. This is the shot. And this is the thing that's going to shift me into whatever's next. And so, uh, I'm still, you know, really involved in, from my understanding, and I understand everybody has a different ideas and different perspectives, but from my understanding of, of the great commission and, and the scriptures and the gospel of the kingdom, I'm still very much involved in, in ministry, you know, uh, but I'm not involved yeah. in pulpit ministry anymore. Yeah. And I love that. And I really want to dive in. Um, you didn't want to audition for the voice no. at all. Your no, wife, Brooke, just kind of made yeah. made that decision. I guess the Lord laid it on her heart, or maybe she just wanted to see how far you could go with it. But uh, what did that beginning process, before you even got to um, the audition and everything, what did that look like for you? What was going through your mind? Were you just like, oh, I'm going to do it to make my wife happy? Or were you like, okay, maybe this is it? Was there any kind of um, thought in your mind that, oh, I might actually win this thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it like that, like I'm some kind of pitiful guy, but really, uh, really, honest to God, I kind of felt like this, it was a waste of time in an already unsettled time in my life, you know? Mm. Uh, and so when I did it, uh, and that's really just the truth, I was I was already kind of in like this limbo-y kind of feel in my heart, and I I didn't know what I'm supposed to be doing or how I I looked into a whole bunch of different possibilities for new careers, you know, and, and, uh, I'd actually started sort of, I mean, not, I hadn't really like signed up for classes or anything, but I'd started like the very, very, uh, initial stages of pursuing some of those things, you know? And, um, so my, I had signed up to go to the audition for the voice, actually the open call audition, I actually mm -hmm. like months before, and I just kind of decided I'm not going to do it. Uh, and she did. She, at her insistence, I did. And so in that, in that part of it, honestly, I was just really annoyed. And that's the truth. It, it, I, uh, I just said to someone yesterday, like the process of that, that weekend was I went from being really annoyed driving all the way to Atlanta. We lived in Meridian, Mississippi. So it's like a four and a half, five hour drive or so. I went from being annoyed doing that, annoyed paying for parking, you know, a lot of yeah. money, by the way, my God, I think I paid like 25 bucks or something to park, um, and which is nuts, right? You know? And yeah. so then I was annoyed standing in that line. And then that really fairly quickly shifted to intimidation when I got inside and, um, I was with everyone else that was there to audition for the show. And there were lots and lots and lots and lots of people and they're all like singing and, you know, so it was really intimidating. Uh, and then of course, by the time it, it all played out and it was my turn, uh, that was really overwhelmingly intimidating. Um, not just because there are other singers there, but because, you know, you're basically, I don't know, you're basically singing for somebody to say you're good or you're not, you know? And mm. so, <laughs> Uh, but then whenever I got a yes in that moment, it kind of turned it. I mean, the, the nerves stayed and the intimidation, the annoyance went away. Uh, that's yeah. true. But, but some excitement kind of got added on top of it. So that's kind of how that initial process went. 
And a lot of people don't know, like the auditions you see on TV are a few after your initial auditions for yeah. A&Rs and people that are like, is this person going to be a good fit on TV? Is their voice good enough? Is there any kind of controversy? Are they going to be funny with personality? There's so yeah. many factors that go into it. So yeah. there are thousands of people that audition, but only I think uh, it's under 100 actually, or maybe even less than that, make it to the actual TV screen, whether it's just a cameo of them auditioning yeah. that they play in a loop or um, actually singing on the stage. But when it, you got the yes in Atlanta and everything started to get the ball rolling, this is pre-pandemic. The pandemic hit while you were on the show. Right. Um, what was it like showing up with your wife and kids to the actual uh, televised audition that they recorded with you? Uh, okay, well, it was, first of all, it was, again, I was just really nervous and it was very intimidating. Uh, now, you know, the way that the show works, um, and I, even if it wasn't the way that it works, I might would have tried to talk him into it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> the whole crew didn't come out. Just my wife and my oldest son came out to California for that. And, and what are uh, the analytics right now? What are the analytics? You've got how many kids at this well, point? I have eight kids, seven living at home. My oldest is out on his own already, which is nuts. I, I, I don't feel old enough for that, but hey, I, clearly I am because he is, you know. And uh, man, eight, so yeah, kids. Got eight kids total. My, my oldest and my wife came out. Um, but honestly, man, it was, I mean, the real truth is I was just real, real nervous the whole time. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. Um, I mean, of course, none of us know if if those coaches are going to like you, you know, if they're going to turn their chair for you. But I did have uh, I did have a keen awareness that this is my shot. Like this is I've been knowing that I have to do something different. And now here I am on freaking voice, you know, like this is my shot. I got I got to take yeah. this shot. So that's what I did, man. I just shot my shot. <laughs> And you went out there, and before we hopped on this call, I was watching the first audition, the Every Todd Tillman performance, just to see how, like, to get the feel for, like, what actually happened, what was the excitement on your face. And the first thing I was like, oh, he's excited. And then I think it was Kelly Clarkson go, oh, he's excited. And I was like, oh, I just said that. But, like, yeah, yeah. so they could see the energy. So you had all four judges turn around. Right. Um, you could see the excitement in your wife and kids' face. They're like, what? Yeah. Like, uh I don't know the order of what uh, judges turned around, but you got all four judges, which is something that doesn't happen that often on the show. And you're killing it out there. You're singing a Bob Seger song. You're having a good time. You could tell like this guy came with his a game, but what were you feeling in that moment? Were you expecting any judges to turn around? Did you have like a, oh, okay, like my goal is to have two or one, or yeah. I just want Blake Shelton. What did it, what was going through your head? Like, I can't even imagine the stress, the pressure that was on you. My goal, yeah, you know, I didn't have any, I don't know how to put it. Like, I didn't have any notions of what I thought might happen. My hope was that at one would turn around, that at least one would turn, you know? Uh, now backstage, I was really, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they could tell or not. <laughs> they probably could, but they never said, never let on to me, but backstage, it kind of got to like almost full on panic. You know, I was mm -hmm. really, really nervous, but I, I, and I don't want to put myself in a different category. Let me say that I, everyone I'm certain was nervous, but in my own mind, a lot was at stake, you know, like mm -hmm. it wasn't, this wasn't me just trying to see where this goes. Like I'm, I'm at a place in my life at an age in my life where 
I can't just go out here and try a hundred things. You know what I mean? So I got mm-hmm. a lot's at stake. A lot's riding on this, you know, but man, no kidding. When I got on stage, I, once again, I'll say the same story. I tell everybody, I was nervous. I don't want people to think that I was like, Oh, I wasn't even nervous. I was, but it was better. I don't know. I was l- more calm when I got mm-hmm. to the stage, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if it was just cause then there's no turning back or I, don't, I really don't know. So when the chairs started turning, I honestly, I mean, I'm telling you, man, so much was riding on it for me. I just was blown away and just real super excited that that was happening. But I didn't, you know, as far as my going into it, my, my goal was just one of the, let, let me make a team. Whoever turns around, that's the team I'll be on. And that's fine. You know? And then you had options. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure as a country fan yourself, you were like, mm, if Blake turns around, that's, that's going to be my yeah. coach. Yeah, I mean, honestly, going into it, I said to myself, I would really like to be on Blake Shelton's team. But I also had thought that um, vocally, as far as like uh, Kelly Clarkson is is a lot like me vocally because yeah. I'm really loud, you know. And, and I, I used to say yeah. my voice was powerful, but people started saying I was cocky. So I had to change that out. No, <laughs> no. Like, uh, we did the – energize event with you in johnson city and dude like i i very rarely will be sitting at an event especially a corporate style event like that and hear someone and the hair on my arms just started standing up and i was like i got chill bumps so it's just like yeah (laughs) what (laughs) like this guy like you sound great on tape on like everything sounds good, which you're your biggest critic. You've openly said um, yeah. you haven't been fully like excited about any performance you've done. But dude, like even like the audio was bad in that room, but you just held the mic out that people could hear you in the back. Yeah. Mind boggling. Well, Mind boggling. You can't explain it. And I'm not just saying that toot your own horn. I called my mom after. I was like, look, this dude's a real deal. It's not, <laughs> there was no kind of voice enhancers or anything. Like it was a, it looked like a karaoke setup. Like, yeah. So like your voice is crazy. So powerful is a good word for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I do. And so I thought, you know, I did kind of think maybe it would be cool. I mean, you know, I guess God, God knows the end from the beginning and he knew that it wasn't really going to happen play out like that Mm. but in the beginning before i knew the pandemic was going to be what happens and all i did think it would be cool to duet with kelly because our voices are kind of similar in that regard but ultimately man what happened was um i mean again i did go into it sort of hoping for blake uh and then they all sort of pitch you for a while they actually spend a decent amount of time trying to get you on their team they have to edit it for tv you know but um, yeah. Blake, went, Blake went last, and I don't know. I the, some of the things he said just sort of sealed the deal for me. So I was like, "That's that." I I wanted Blake. I, I did second guess a little, but I'm like, I wanted him in the beginning. I'm just gonna go with my first gut feeling, and we're gonna do Blake. I love that so much. And uh, Kelly's actually done a country song that I know of with, uh, or she did because of you with Reba, and that was a powerhouse. Yeah. So yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, she did. Hey, she just cut. She just released a. Um, well, Jake released it, but she's she's on a duet with Jake Hoot from the season, the guy that won the season before me. Dude, that's phenomenal. He's and uh, Kelly's about to take over uh, Ellen's daytime spot, which Saw is that. crazy. Yeah. 
like yeah. mind boggling. But we're trying to pencil in a time of my schedule to go and be on the show. We're gonna see if that works out. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, that was what I was thinking. I was like, Todd needs to get on there. Um, but in a heartache, Jesus and you. I've heard some of the other stuff that you're gonna put out, and it's phenomenal. Like uh, you're writing this stuff, and um, I want to move past the voice. Like everybody yeah. kind of knows, like the pandemic hit. It was different. Yeah. Um, they ended up sending your trophy in the mail way after the show. Like the yeah. pandemic kind of put a pencil on whatever expectations you had. And um, the, you didn't like usually when you win, you get a crazy contract that actually isn't as beneficial for the artist as you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't have to worry about any of that. The pandemic kind of just they were like, hey, here you go. And just good yeah. luck type thing right yeah the the show i will say i i don't have i say this all the time i have no complaints about the show and uh i was blessed actually a lot of people might not think this but um i feel like i was blessed to have the experience that i had you know like Mm. i uh the way the show went then of course i won but now i am even though it's hard very hard to do i am independent but it does give me some creative freedom. I can cut what right now I can cut whatever I want to cut. If I want to cut a song, I can cut it and no one has any say over it, but me, you know, (laughs) and nobody really understands how expensive it is to be an independent artist. So they're like, I remember, um, I sent you a screenshot of it on YouTube. If you type in Todd Tillman net worth, it's showing like all these luxury cars and everything and a big old house and like throwing out astronomical numbers. And it's like, being an independent artist and a father of eight, that grocery bill is taking the majority. Now, not even to say like the quality of the music videos, studio time, um, having some great um, co-writes. It's it's expensive out there. And people don't really realize like when you're asking people, hey, go stream this song, go vote on CMT, like, this is helping you be able to do this. You you don't have a full-time salary um, as a pastor at this point. You jumped in the deep end and you're like, you know what? God gave me this opportunity. I'm going to run with it. You've had some amazing opportunity come from it. You're on Huckabee. Um, You got to play at Winterfest, which is a huge event that the Church of God puts on every year. Got some amazing photos from that. I was like, dang, let's go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you've got some amazing stuff coming in the pipeline, but just to get away from the whole voice thing, I want to talk about what you're doing now as an independent country artist. You've already said earlier in this interview that you're still very much so a part of the church, but you're just doing it in a different way. You're a full on country artist. You talk about Jesus. You're open about Jesus. You don't consider yourself a Christian artist. Um, What's next? Like you've got the music, you've got everything coming. You got a book coming out. You're an author. you're just learning as you go. If uh, we're going off of what it looks like and that's the best way to do it. But what do you feel like within the next year for you? Oh man. First of all, I am, I am legitimately just flying by the seat of my britches and that's true. (laughs) Uh, But you know, I like to tell everybody I am an artist who is a Christian, you know? Uh, And so uh, ultimately the real truth about that is I don't, like in a year's time, I don't know exactly what that will look like. Um, I only say, and don't now the music I, I, I work, um, in my mind, which is limited. Let me say I work (laughs) fairly strategically, you know, 
with the music. Um, and so I'm not trying to say I just slapped a label on it. Like I just had to slap a label. But the real truth is I sing what what I feel. And we, I, I'm, if I'm a part of the right, I write the truth, you know. And, and so because society demands, <laughs> then I have to say this is the genre. But I really just sing what I sing, you know. And, and, it, uh, and we do. We do work to have a more, a more country feel on it. Cause I'm a country guy, man. I've grown up in Mississippi. I live out here on the farm in Tennessee right now, you know? And, uh, and so, um, I'm not trying to be like, I don't want to be like a poser, you know? <laughs> no, I've, I've been to the farm. It is very much so yeah. very, 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 very away from any other piece of society. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So and if but, you watch the in a heartache music video, you can see that farm yeah, and know that he is not posing. This is a farm, people. Rustic yeah. farm. We shot it right out here on the farm, yeah. So in a year I really couldn't tell you exactly where I feel like I'm gonna ultimately land. Uh I have right now I'm actively meeting with um management people and I have label meetings that, and we'll just see kind of how that goes and, and what direction that goes in. I'm not, you know, a lot of people ask me so, so much why I'm opposed. <laughs> Let me just say like, I am not opposed to Christian music. Uh, that may be where I end up landing. The issue that I have with, with Christian music um, for me now, I, here's the thing. I was a pastor long enough to learn that the kingdom of God is sort of broken into two categories. Um, now we're both supposed to be active. We're supposed to be active in all both categories. I don't think some of us are for this and some of us are for that. But in the kingdom, there's there's the ministry of reconciliation, which is that we draw people to Jesus, you know, uh, because He loves them and He wants us their life to be full, you know. But then there's also the ministry of edification, which is the people who are already in the church, and we build them up and we have a relationship with them. We do what we can to be encouragement to them, you know. And uh, and I think that's what Christian music is. So I don't, I'm not against it. Let me just say that. I, I feel like I kind of got a bad rap about that. <laughs> I love, I think it's fine. I love Christian music, yeah. but I, but I also do feel like, um, there are, there are stories that my, I mean, uh, the next song that I got coming out is really just the most heartbreaking song I ever sang in my life. And I wrote it and it's a real, it's a real story about really my mm -hmm. real like the the song is really my real life, and so I want to be free to do that if I as long as I can, you know. Um, and then secondly, man, in all and I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I will. I am sort of a, a straight shooter and a plain speaker. Um, the The Christian world can be brutal, man. The pe the people, you know. Uh, and I spent a lot of years feeling a, a certain. Um, weight on me of how I had to be because I was the pastor of a church and I don't, I feel like, now don't get me wrong. I'm not a universalist, yeah. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, I just don't feel like that's, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. I don't feel like it's God's plan for us to live our lives under this heavy weight and fear and anxiety. And I'm, I do have a little concern that I would, I would be shifting myself back under that. Now, I don't know. I said all that. Say I, may, I may end up a, a labeled like, you know, a fully Christian artist. Um, and, and it is what it is wherever I end up landing. But right now I'm trying to just sing my heart, you know. And Yeah. And I mean, you've got a song called Jesus and You. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, listen, what 
what I hope people can understand when they hear sandcastles is what they're probably going to hear is, man, this is heartbreaking. But the end of that song is there is healing and hope. It just takes time. You know, mm-hmm. that's the whole message of the song. The message of sandcastles is that I've spent so much of my life building this thing. And then it just takes a second for it to all be washed away, you know, but maybe that's what was supposed to happen. And maybe now it's time for you to do something different and depart from that shore, you know? And, uh, and over time, even though that might've hurt when that got taken away, there is healing and there's hope and there's restoration for what comes next. And that's, there's really almost no more, gospel message than that you know (laughs) (laughs) now um for the book every little win how celebrating small victories can lead to big joy what was the process like writing a book with your wife your um wife brooke she's super talkative super outgoing you're more reserved so i what was it like to sit down and write a book with brooke oh let me say god is good uh (laughs) and i'll say that to say what what happened with that was a lady who is a dear, dear friend of ours. You see her name on the cover of the book, Trisha yeah. Goyer. She, she reached out to us about writing it at all. And my initial response was like, no one's going to want to read that. You know, who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, and so the way that we did that, um, and really thankfully, because, man, we've been married 22 years. God knows she's the love of my life, you know, and uh, but we do, man, we are a lot different. Uh, and so that would yeah. have been a, an undertaking. So basically, I would be on the road a lot, not always, but like I'd be on the road and Trisha would call. And so she would record our conversation. and I would just tell stories about and like if she already had a chapter going about um about our time as pastors. I don't know, whatever. If she had a a chapter going about that, she would, maybe she had already talked to Brooke, but then she would ask me my perspective. And that's why if you read the book, it's broken. Like it'll say Todd. And this is what I said. And then it'll say Brooke. And then this is what she said, you know? Mm. And, and, and it's neat how we do have a lot of the same perspective, but we also have a lot of different, different perspective. And, uh, and that's good. Uh, It's that's, listen, I don't, I'm a, I'll consider myself, sort of a run of the mill idiot, you know? So I ask everybody like, don't, don't take my advice, you know? But one thing that I will say, I think might help us in the kingdom of God uh, is to understand that our diversity makes us strong. Y'all like we keep fighting with each other because we're different, but we're supposed to be different. You know, Mm. our diversity can empower us to be the force in the world that we're supposed to be, you know, but instead we just spend all of our time bickering over who's right about this doctrine or that doctrine or dressing like this or acting like that, you know, and, and that's just, you know, and so that's the same with me and Brooke. We're a lot different, but it actually plays. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time, like sometimes when we're in these interviews about the book, I feel a little bit like a fraud, you know, like, no, mm-hmm. let me be very honest. If you look to me and Brooke, as any kind of examples, look to us as examples of the immeasurable grace of God. <laughs> because we're, man, we're a mess. Like we, you know, sometimes those differences do cause sparks to fly, buddy, and hardcore. Uh, but it was, it was an, it was a, writing the book was an interesting process. And it was a fun process, but also painful, man. I, I, you know, we were doing the audio book. We re- they asked us to read the audio for the audio book ourselves, which I thought was odd, you know, because I, I sing, but my speaking voice isn't really like 
in demand, you know? <laughs> that probably took a few days to do. It took a couple of days. We did it a lot quicker than they thought we would do it. Um, but I caught, okay. and I caught, I figured I'd be like laughing and, and messing up all the time. And I did mess up a good bit, but I really spent a lot of time crying, you know, because it took me back to things mm. that places in my life that were so meaningful to me, you know, and even reading the book, you know, you're, you're reading it to like proof it and make sure there's no mistake or whatever. But when, you, when that's all done and over with and you're there doing the audio book, it's literally like you're reading your own story back to yourself mm. and it's beautiful and it's heartbreaking, you know? And, uh, and so that was an, it was an interesting process. And, uh, what a lot of people don't know is a lot of their favorite authors also have co-authors. They just pay them off to not have their name on the cover. Yeah. And, um, that's how books are written. Like yeah. people, like I know more authors than not that have people write the book with them just because like not everybody is skilled and gifted in, piecing things together that is pleasant to the eye and pleasant to the mind. So um, I'm excited to get my hands on this book. I really want to commend you and Brooke on you say you're a run of the mill idiot, everything. And all jokes aside, like you and Brooke are good parents. Like you've got eight kids. Um, I it's, it's just phenomenal to me. The sacrifices that y'all have made, to provide for eight children and um, even pursuing your dreams. I think it's encouraging for everyone that hears your story to hear like the guy had eight kids. Like so many people are like, Oh, I've, I can't chase my dreams. I've got to stay at my job and stay where it's comfortable to pay the uh, bills. And while all of that is valid, like you stepped out and did it, like you yeah. actually did it. And it, it should be an anthem of victory for anyone who hears your story. And I'm super excited, super pumped for people to finally get their hands on this book and audio book. And uh, where can they find out some more on this book, get the pre-order and um, for the audio book and the book? Is there a custom website y'all have? Yeah, like if you want to pre-order the book, you can go to everylittlewinbook.com. Or you can go to my any of mine or Brooks socials, which is just our name. I'm on, everything is my name. I'm on Instagram, Ty Tillman, Twitter, Ty Tillman, Facebook, Ty Tillman. You know, uh, yeah. Spotify. Yeah, I don't know how much you're gonna find about the book on Spotify, but Ty Tillman. You know, uh, <laughs> but everylittlewinbook.com. If you go there, you can find it. I don't know if the audio book's available for pre-order yet. I don't even know that. I know the book is pre-order. People are already getting them. You know, which is nuts because yeah. it's not even released yet. But um. But yeah, you can go there and read. And, you know, one thing that you said that I will, I'll say even this, I felt like, you know, I feel like it's my job and I don't mean like, Oh, but I do. I feel like it's my job to take care of my wife and take care of my kids and and be a provider for my family. But one of the reasons I don't want to say this is like with a bullet, but one of the reasons that, that we made the decision that we made was because I think providing for my family is not just food and shelter and clothing, but I also wanted to, I didn't want to wait too late to show my kids that you don't really have to settle into what you're in, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but uh, you don't have to just settle into that, you know, you can, you can take a shot and you know, worse, worst case scenario, it falls flat and we end up figuring out something else. And I, what I, do believe is that the righteous have never been forsaken and God's seed has never gone begging for bread. And so yep. we'll be all right. You know? <laughs> yep. And you've even got one following you in the musical footsteps. Asher's got his yeah. music out. He's a rapper. And yeah. look, let me tell y'all this kid's good. 
He is like, good. He is good, good. And then Winnie's either going to be a comedian or a magician. Yeah, um, yeah. Still Winnie, that one out. Winnie, can, Winnie can sing, man. Look, we're we're riding down the road the other day, and Brooke's phone just pops on the Bluetooth, uh, whatever she's got on her shuffle, you know. And so Winnie's five years old, and she's back here in her car seat singing, I've been sleepwalking, wandering all night. <laughs> she's singing it, boy. She knows it. Dude, that's phenomenal. Well, y'all go check out the book. Go uh, find Todd and Brooke on social media. We're going to have all the links in the description below. Todd, thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, it's been you, a fun conversation, and uh, I'm I'm proud of you, if that means anything to you. Oh, you, you, I, I was one years old where you and Brooke got married, so you know, yeah. I guess you could say um i've been on this journey a little bit too so y'all go check out the book this episode has been brought to you by new release today and uh again todd thank you so much and we will talk to you guys next week do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory but are actually theologically problematic My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.